0: My Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech, slow of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, well, then, what of your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that that he can speak fluently. Even now he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as God for him. Take in your hand the staff with which you shall perform the signs. And from the book of Isaiah. In the year the king of died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, And each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke, and I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Mike. Hi. My name is Steve McConnell, and uh, I get to be one of the pastors here at Church of the Palms, and I know most of you, but some of you I don't know, and I hope I have a chance to cross paths with you at some point in time. So, we are uh, here at Church of the Palms taking a look at the great story of God, starting from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of the Bible. We do this every year, uh, kind of tracing this great narrative arc of grace And we are looking at various uh, important stories, Uh, not that any, not that all the stories in the Bible aren't important, they are, but some pivotal moments in this great story of grace where we uh, listen in and wonder about God's interaction with us and how we get to be a part of the story as well. And so uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at the call of Moses uh, right at the start at the burning bush. We all, many of you probably know the burning bush story and... The voice comes out of the burning bush, and, uh, and that's a great story, and it's, uh, you know, it makes for a good TV and all that, um, but then there's this sort of second part of the story where Moses, after hearing the call of God, the voice of God, is now trying to figure out a way to get out of the call, how to get out of the story, how he can take himself to the sidelines, so that's what we just heard today, and that's what we're going to reflect on as we um, as we wonder about God's movement in our lives. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your great love for us and for your story and for your voice and for your call and for your desperate yearning for us to be a part of your story of grace. We thank you that you um, join us in this moment and we pray that somehow through these words to come, you will allow us to know more of the word that we just heard and more importantly, even the word In the flesh that we know in Jesus, where we pray this in his name, amen. So it was about 24 centuries ago, almost five centuries before Jesus was born, when the Athenian and Persian armies met to do battle. Persia had its massive military force. It was set to invade Greece, whose armies paled in comparison. And the world knew at that moment that the Athenians did not stand a chance against the Persian juggernaut. Instead, Though, the Athenians did not get that message, so they decided to do battle with the Persians to defend their own territory, to defend their own turf. And so they went to battle on the plain of Marathon, and in a single afternoon, to the surprise of the world, the Athenian army did what no one expected them to do. They defeated the invading Persian army. They repulsed them, set them into retreat. An incredible victory. Now, as legend goes, the general of the Athenian army commissioned a soldier named Pheidippides to run back to Athens to tell them this incredible news. This message that he was supposed to deliver was just one word. He was supposed to say to them, victory. That's all he was supposed to say, victory. That's all that they needed to know, Victory. Now, the distance from Marathon to Athens was about 25 miles. So, entrusted with this one word message, Pheidippides ran. He ran the entire 25 miles to bring news of this victory. And as the story goes, when Pheidippides arrived in Athens after running 25 miles, he stood and shouted out his one word message, victory, and then collapsed and died. Doesn't have a great ending. So, hardly a weekend goes by in this country where there is not somewhere in this land a group of thin-bodied, half-crazy people gathered at a starting line waiting to hear the sound of a gun, and it releases them to begin a race that has been named in the honor of this legend of Pheidippides. They run the race of marathon. Count on it, right now, someone is running a marathon, because most marathons will run on Sundays. 26 miles and 385 yards. I don't know where the extra mile and 385 yards came from, but that's what the distance is of a marathon. I'm sure some of you have run a marathon. I have not. 25,000 people run the New York City Marathon. Now, those who choose to run a marathon, there are some who are there to actually win the race, and they should have their heads examined. (laughs) There are those who are there just to finish the race. That's more my cup of tea, and there are those who are just hoping they get through the race without collapsing and dying. But you can pretty much count on the fact that in the modern marathon, those who run the marathon are not there to say anything. They don't have a message to deliver. That's not the purpose of a modern marathon, right? The purpose of the modern marathon is just to run to run for the sake of running. I suppose it would be safe to say, metaphorically, that your life and mine can sometimes feel a little bit like a marathon, an exhausting marathon. Most of our days are kind of running from here to there, to there to here, and we end up at the end of the day, we kind of fall exhausted into bed thinking back and we trace our steps and we can't imagine how we did so much in so little time. And then you link those days together and stretch them over a lifetime. And yeah, the truth is we're not just running a marathon. We feel like we're sprinting a marathon. But the question is at the end of it, do we have anything to say? Do, do we have a word? Do we have a, a message to deliver? Are we standing there panting and exhausted but without a word for the world. Now, I'm guessing if you had to pick a word for the 21st century, I'm guessing that word is the word busy. That's the word I hear everybody say when you ask about their lives. I'm so busy. How many times have I had this kind of conversation with somebody, I say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. And then I say, well, what have you been up to? Oh, nothing. (laughs) Busy, nothing. Busy, nothing. Busy, doing, nothing. It explains then the conversations I also have with people who come in to see me and say, you know, I just feel like I'm in an all-out sprint. I feel like I am just crazy busy and I feel like I don't know what my purpose in life is. I feel like I don't know where I'm going. I feel like I'm so busy, but I don't have anything inside. Have you heard yourself say something a little bit like that? So many are running, but with little to say. But you know, as much as I say that, I'm not sure it's true. Because the truth is, while we may be running, and while we don't think we have much to say, the truth is, when we come here on a Sunday morning, what do we do? We sing our songs, we pray our prayers, we recite our faith, we preach the gospel. Oh, we have lots to say, don't we, on Sunday morning between 9 and 12, but then we hit the pavement on Sunday afternoon, and we get going in the marathon, and all of a sudden, we're tongue-tied. We, we get to Athens, and we've got no word. You know the, the old joke, what do you get when you cross a Jehovah's Witness with a Presbyterian? You get a guy on your doorstep that doesn't know what to say? <laughs> So, shift gears. There's Moses now. Moses has got himself a little marathon. He has settled himself, he thought, in the wilderness home. He's got his little comfort place. Moses, though, then gets this call to go back to Egypt, to begin his marathon back to Egypt because the Israelites are in slavery, and Moses is being called to deliver the people of of Israel so that they can be freed from slavery. And God says to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So he's got his marathon, he's got the word, but then he tells God he's tongue-tied. I Don't speak very well. I can't get the words out the way I want to get them out. And with this seemingly handicap, he's hoping that God's going to let him off the hook. Let somebody else say what needs to be said, O Lord, because I don't have what it takes. And God says to Moses, Baloney. Baloney. I hate it when God says baloney. Have you ever had God say to you? I hope you've heard God say to you, baloney. God's saying baloney to me all the time. All those times when I have some sort of excuse as to, you know, why I should not be the one to do the right thing, why I should not be the one to say the right thing, why I should not be the one who is the right person. Oh, I don't have what it takes, Lord. And God says, oh, baloney McConnell. I hate it when he says baloney. Because, you know, when God says baloney, what it means is, is that I have to find now some way to do some soul searching, some soul digging, and to come up with a way of doing what needs to be done because God's word to me is baloney. I need to figure out what needs to be said, what kind of person I need to be, what needs to be done. That is the great adventure of life, right? That is the great adventure. When God does not let us off the hook and instead pushes us into the marathon and says, now do the work of saying what needs to be said. Don't get to the end of the race and just huff and puff. Some of you have seen the movie, The King's Speech which captures the difficult times of King George VI of England, who had the throne thrust upon him through the abdication of his brother. King George never wanted the throne due in not small part to the fact that he could not speak very well. He had a severe stutter. Hard to be the king of the largest empire in the world and not know how to speak well. And so, when Hitler invaded Poland and the British felt no choice but to declare war, it was left to the stuttering king to speak to his entire empire. History would not let him off the hook. A word had to be said. And so, King George put himself before the microphones. And said what needed to be said, it is to this high purpose that I now call my people at home and my peoples across the sea who will make our cause their own. I ask them to stand calm and united in the time of trial. The task will be hard. There may be dark days ahead. The war can no longer be confined to the battlefield. But we can only do the right as we see the right and reverently commit our cause to God. Sometimes, maybe most of the time, it's not how you say it it's whether you say it it is one of the easiest human endeavors I suspect to come up with all the reasons for why we should not come up with what needs to be said when Isaiah has his vision as it was read that Isaiah has this vision of the Lord high and lifted up on his throne And he speaks the truth to God. He says, God, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in a land of people of unclean lips. No truer words have been spoken, right? And the truth is we all can say them. No one is qualified to speak the truth. No one. But God touches the lips of Isaiah with his grace. And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. That's the great adventure of the spiritual life, right? When you and I give ourselves the chance to see not all those things that disqualify us from sharing the good news, but to go deeper and to hear God's baloney spoken into our hearts and to find the grace, the the unlimited, unmerited grace to speak the good news. And it's good news, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're not being called to tell people bad news. We're here to tell people good news. The good news that God is loving the world in Christ. The good news that God is loving, sacrificing himself for the world in Christ. God is claiming. All the little children in his as his children that at this table the world gets accepted by the unconditional love of God. This is where the world meets its real communion. Imagine the people in your lives who could use to know that they have been accepted by the unconditional love of God. Imagine all the people in your life who have heard that maybe they aren't accepted, that maybe they're not good enough, maybe they're not welcome, maybe they're too far from God, maybe, you know, they don't really have a good purpose for their lives. Enslaved by the negative messages of the world and then imagine with your grace touched lips these people hearing, hey, I go to a place on Sunday morning when I get reminded that I'm loved by a gracious God. I get to go to a place where I'm challenged to live a life of purpose and meaning. I get to go to a place where I hear that my sins are forgiven. I'm free from the negativity of the world. I get to go to a place where I hear the word over and over again. Victory! We so underestimate ourselves because we so underestimate God. We underestimate that we that we have the ability to be the vessels of God's Holy Spirit to speak the good news. We underestimate how hungry people are for the good news. Several years ago in Pittsburgh there was a prolonged steel strike. Management and the union were miles apart in the demands and and it looked like the industry was going to screech to a standstill for probably months and a steel worker down there on one of those factory floors named Dave Griffith couldn't take it anymore. He felt like God, of all the people, God was calling him to do something about this. So Dave, uninvited unannounced, walked into the negotiating room of the powers that be and pled for the two sides to reconcile their differences for the sake of the people of western Pennsylvania. And not long after that, the strike was settled. Now, some would say it was simply because of the courage of a laborer to go into that room that maybe that turned the tide. But what they didn't know was that that laborer, that that man with courage, came with a severe speech impediment and terrified to speak in front of a group of people. Someone who heard God's baloney and found a way that, to say what needed to be said. And maybe that was true for Mary. You remember Mary? You know, Mary Magdalene, good old Mary, sinner, possessed by evil spirits, first century woman with no place, first century woman with no ability to speak, Oh, yeah, Mary, she's had all the excuses for why she should keep her mouth shut. Good old Mary, who showed up at the great battle 20 centuries ago between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Up there on the mountain called Calvary, she showed up in that battle between good and evil, and when they finally rolled the stone away and life conquered death, off she went. Off she went with that message that nobody would believe, that message that nobody would say just right, but off she went on her own little marathon, and that marathon stretches across the miles and over the centuries, and at the end of the marathon, She stands before the disciples, and she stands before all of us, and she says, I have seen the Lord. (laughs) I have seen the Lord. And what we know is what that word means is victory. Victory. We get that word. That's our word. For we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. God alive. And we now know that there are no more prisoners. There are no, There is no more shame. There is no more condemnation. We know that all get to be invited to this table. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from. All are accepted. All have a place. Friends, that is the good news. And the only thing left, the only thing left is for us say it Amen So friends the good news is that God has spread his table out in front of us and the good news is is that an invitation has gone to every single one of our homes the invitation has gone to every single home in this world it doesn't matter where you have come from it doesn't matter where you're going God in this moment by his grace invites the world to come to this table and receive here the gifts of unconditional love unconditional grace so wherever you are in your life Wherever you think you've been, no matter how disqualified you think you really are, baloney. You have a place here. This is the table that Christ has prepared for you. If you were the only person in the world, Christ has prepared this table for you. So are the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We are so grateful, Lord. It doesn't take a resume to get to this table. It doesn't take a certain color, doesn't take a certain style, doesn't take a certain country, doesn't take a certain language. It just takes your grace. We thank you that you invite us to this place, that you yearn to fill us with your Holy Spirit, and that you will empower us to say the word that needs to be said, victory, victory. So join us at this table in the power of your Holy Spirit, for we pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, thy Thy will be be done done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and and forgive us our debts as as we forgive our our debtors. And And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
2: Amen. So as you prepare to come to this table today, if you're on the wings, we just ask that you go to the back, that you enter the table from the center aisle and then return back around. And it is such a treat today on World Communion Sunday that Dottie and Bill Tile went out and got breads around the world. So come and grab a good hunk of whatever bread you choose and remember Christ. So if the servers would come forward, Rachel will be in the center with gluten-free bread if you need that. And we have an abundant feast that has been prepared.
3: Deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only Son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face away the chosen one, bring many sons to glory.
2: Behold the man upon a cross,
3: thy sin upon his shoulders. scoffers it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished his dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in anything oh, there's no power no wisdom but i will boast in jesus christ his death and resurrection why should i give from his reward i cannot give an answer but this i know Why should I give promise, reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart: His wounds have paid my right.
2: Let us pray. God of all nations, we give you thanks that we are all made in your image with such rich diversity, with varied hues of skin, hair, and eyes, of varied heights and widths, with differing talents and gifts, yet all of us are beautiful in your sight. On this day, we are in solidarity with the faithful around the world, We thank you for your presence in this meal, and we remember that we are still one body in you, even though we may have different languages, cultures, and traditions, different ways of worship, praying, and praising. We are one body, but we are not the same. It is through the gift of diversity that we are able to be your body. We thank you and praise you for calling us to be your children. May this meal nourish and strengthen us to love you and to love our neighbors in Christ's name. Amen. And if you would stand, please, for the benediction. I'm always talking to my daughters about trying to find their voice. And then listening to Steve today, I think it's so important for us to lean into that grace of God so that we too can find our voice. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, amen.
0: I'll stop up like uh Tuesday or Wednesday.
3: No problem, sir. Trying to get a I don't know it is or No problem.
0: Oh I totally get that. No problem. That's a lot, yeah. Moving that kid, as you know.
1: That's a lot to begin with.
0: Thank you Take care, Mike.